This podcast may contain explicit language. Welcome to the Dynasty Download, the show where we prove Dynasty League fantasy is the best form there is. I'm Tom Duncan, and I am alone this evening. Unfortunately, my co-host and normal partner, Ethan, is out. He is unfortunately very ill at the moment with the rest of his family. Thankfully, uh, at least so far, he has tested negative for all COVID symptoms, but we are giving him the night off to help recover, and he will be back with us later in the week to help finish up the fantasy regular season and kind of look forward to the playoffs. So tonight it's just me, and we are recapping week 17 of the NFL Slate 2021 First, a few housekeeping notes. If you would like to contact the show or have a question for us, please write us at dynastydownload10 at gmail.com. If you'd like to be on our mailing list this year or going forward, please send us a note there. Also, you can now follow us on Twitter at dydownload2020. You can find every episode of the show on dynasty-download.captivate.fm. And finally, please follow, rate, and review the show so more people can discover that Dynasty Fantasy is the best form there is. All right, let's get right into my quick review of Week 17 and the big takeaways from Fantasy Championship Weekend. At least for my team, which was in a championship game, I got absolutely hammered by my mother's team, and you can laugh at me all you'd like. Uh, This is the nature of the Fantasy Playoffs, and for all of those that came up short uh, this weekend, I certainly feel your pain. Um, Having three championships already in that league in the bag... I certainly don't feel that poorly about my result, and frankly, I think it is kind of funny that my mother won a uh, fantasy football championship, especially for our office league, and uh, that will now sit on a trophy for all time. So just some of the big storylines, I'm sure all of you have been talking about it for a couple of days already, so I won't belabor most of the point, just a few of the big takeaways I had coming out of this weekend's game, and... There weren't a ton of them, but I think the big game that we all kind of watched and were kind of fascinated by is the Bengals hosting the Chiefs. Now, the Bengals did come out on top in the end in this game, uh, 34-31, on a late field goal that uh, had some controversial decisions in the final few moments. I mean, I was screaming at my television for Zach Taylor to kick the fucking field goal, but he just did not decide to do that and ended up working out for him. I still think that you kick the field goal in that situation, even with Patrick Mahomes on the other sideline, and you don't necessarily try to go win the game right then and there. But the big takeaway from this, 11 catches, 266 yards, three touchdowns. Jamar Chase was an absolute beast. In our league scoring, he had over 63 points in this game, and it's comparable to last year's uh, Elvin Kamara six-touchdown game that won most people their championships. If you somehow got to the finals, and Chase has not been the stud he was for most of the first part of the season, last week it was T. Higgins that won most people their semifinal matchups, including yours truly. This week it was Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. And to me, the Bengals are starting to round into form Joe Mixon, I think right now, is going to finish the year as the number three fantasy running back behind Jonathan Taylor and Austin Eckler, and not very far behind Austin Eckler, mind you. This Bengals offense is starting to remind me very much of the early Colts of the 2000s when they had Reggie Wayne and they had Dallas Clark and they had 
Marvin Harrison, Edron James, Peyton Manning. And most of those guys were all fantasy relevant at the same time somehow. To me, this Bengals team is relevant from Joe Mixon to Joe Burrow to Jamar Chase and T. Higgins. And you might even on certain weeks throw in Tyler Boyd. They are putting up points in bunches. They are a big play offense just waiting to happen. And I don't think their defense is nearly as bad as the scores sometimes might indicate. Yeah, they gave up 31 points to the Chiefs and they gave up 28 in the first half. They really only allowed three in the second half, and they are able to make adjustments. They have decent players on that team. But if Joe Burrow puts up consecutive 50-point weeks in the playoffs, this is certainly a guy that I think has kind of forced our hand at putting him inside the Dynasty Top 5 going into next season, especially given his youth and the core that he has around him. You definitely like to see the Bengals add some offensive linemen to make sure he's protected and that he's going to be healthy long-term. But from where we were at to begin the season when he had an absolutely bum knee and we didn't know whether he'd even start week one to where we are now and the type of numbers he's putting up at the end of this season, even while he's taking just hit after hit after hit each week, I do think that at least for the next few seasons, he's a guy very capable, especially in quarterback-friendly leagues, not ones with standard scoring, but the ones that actually uh, use something similar to my type of scoring where you have certain um, yardage bonuses, you have uh, one point every 20 yards instead of 25 yards. I do think that makes it a little bit more equitable to quarterbacks and their importance on the field. As such, he is a guy that I look at even with a lot of the rushing value was the big thing coming into this year realistically, Kyler Murray didn't really run a lot this year. Aaron Rodgers didn't run a lot this year. Dak Prescott really did not run a lot this year. You looked at two guys as primarily the fantasy running backs or guys that added enough with their legs, and it was Lamar Jackson and it was Josh Allen. And that's what puts those two probably near the top. For me going into next season right now, I would have Josh Allen as the number one dynasty quarterback. I'd probably have Mahomes too. And then Jackson it's kind of a weird case because he's missed, I don't know how many weeks down the stretch now. And I don't know whether it's a health thing, whether he's uh, really got a physical ailment. He's been sick a lot this season and he's missed games. I just don't know what the reliability is going to be. So unfortunately that's going to move him down, even though the talent is there, at least for me right now, I would solidly say that Joe Burrow could make a case for the number three fantasy dynasty quarterback going into next season already because the way that Kyler Murray has finished this season Dak has completely fallen off and I can't expect that Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers are going to always put up these numbers Tom Brady's been struggling the last couple of weeks without Chris Godwin he's going to be without Antonio Brown more on that in a second and I just don't know what that Buccaneers team or for that matter what the Packers are going to look like next season or where Aaron Rodgers is even going to be next season I know that the strong inclination right now from the public seems to be that he's going to be back with Green Bay, but I don't think that's a guarantee yet until I see it happen. So for me, as far as consistency, I'd probably put Burrow up among the elite at the moment, kind of in the same way that I think he's really taken that uh, full step forward into being that number three guy. And number four, I'd probably have Justin Herbert at the moment. A young quarterback, they're dynamic, they're a big play offense. He's clearly a class above the rest as far as his talent. It's just of whether they can be as consistent as they are right now 
next year and what his wide receiver core is going to be like next season. So after that, I think it's somewhat of a crapshoot, and we can kind of sort this out through what's going to be an absolutely crazy offseason. But to me, this says Joe Burrow is here to stay. And because if he's here to stay, Jamar Chase and T. Higgins, I don't know if I would both put them inside the wide receiver one category, but it's going to be incredibly hard to keep them out. I think the biggest issue I would have right now is, is that whichever one of them has a big week, it's only one of them having a big week. Very rarely so far has one of them had a good week and the other one also had a simultaneously good week. We've had games where Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins have had good games together. We've had a couple of games where Tyler Boyd had at least okay games and Jamar Chase had big games, but we've never had one where all three of them were fantasy sustainable at the same time. So you have to take that into account. And I think teams will adjust to how Jamar Chase is next year. So I actually, despite what we just saw, think that T. Higgins is actually the better prospect going into next season for Dynasty than Jamar Chase. And I know that sounds weird and an unpopular opinion is exactly where I'm saying it right now, but that's where I'm at. One of the other big storylines to end this calendar year, and I can't believe I started Antonio Brown over him in my fantasy championship game. In fact, I didn't start him the last two weeks of my playoff semifinals, and I regret both of them. Amon Ross St. Brown has been an absolute godsend for a really putrid Lions offense. I mean, he has been the entire Lions offense for the last three to four weeks. I'm kind of curious to see what happens with him this weekend against Green Bay because obviously I'll be watching that game as a Packers fan. He is an exciting player. I truly wish I had kept on to him nearly this long because I think this is a guy that I, at worst is a wide receiver three going into next year. I think now we're squarely in the conversation where he's at worst a low end wide receiver two because of the amount of work he's going to get. And I think he's going to lift all boats for that Lions offense. If you're going to give me a Lions offense that's going to feature Hawkinson, DeAndre Swift, and Amon Ross St. Brown as your three primary guys, and you go out and you get maybe one more pass catcher that's going to be elite, maybe bring back somebody that uh, I thought probably shouldn't have left in to begin with, but Marvin Jones or somebody of that type of caliber, and even with Jared Goff throwing them the football, I think they've been all productive so far this year, with the exception that Hawkinson had some really roller coaster times, but the tight end market is short. I do think that the Lions are a viable football team for dynasty players, at least for the time being. And these guys can all be contributors going into next year in a way that we certainly weren't forecasting coming into this year. I don't know if he'll continue to reach these highs because DeAndre Swift has been out. TJ Hawkinson has been out for the last two weeks. And so he has quite literally been their entire offense. And I do think that teams will be able to focus better on him. But right now he is elite out of the slot. And I just have to imagine that this is only the start of what could be a very productive fantasy career, especially in a PPR value set. I have him squarely as a wide receiver two heading into next year. I'll provide my full rankings as we kind of move along into this offseason. Rashad Penny. It's a guy we talked about on the show last week, but another huge performance. He, in fact, was the number one point scorer for the weekend, and he did most of his work all in the first half against the Lions. 
I, I heard them talk about this during the broadcast, but apparently one of the biggest factors into his work ethic and where his career has now turned around is the presence of Adrian Peterson in the building. And he looks like a completely different back the last few weeks. He looks like a power running back that can absolutely explode through the line. I don't know what's going to happen with Russell Wilson, but this Seahawks offense is going to have talent around it. Even if Chris Carson never plays another down, the Seahawks are going to have Penny. They're going to have Gerald Everett. They're still going to have Lockett and Metcalf. And Wilson says he wants to stay and he wants to play. And I don't know what's going to happen with the Seahawks. It looks like one of the biggest points of potential explosion in the offseason because that's a team that shouldn't be winning only five games this season. But I do think that the Seahawks found something in Rashad Penny. I think they need to go out and they need to get some new offensive linemen. They've needed to do that for probably the last 10 years. And yes, they did win a Super Bowl without a good offensive line. And they almost won a second Super Bowl without a good offensive line. But that team had a lot of other things going for it and other players that could make up for that deficit in a way that they can't right now. Russell Wilson is not nearly as mobile as he used to be. He can't escape a lot of the things that you can do when you're younger and you don't need as good an offensive line if you're a mobile quarterback. Now he needs to be protected. There are going to be significant changes to that, and that all enhances the value of somebody like a Rashad Penny. So if you figured out and picked him up going into the fantasy playoffs and you've held on to him, I don't know why for whatever reason, the last two years, I've held on to Rashad Penny like, I don't know, it was going out of style or something else. But for whatever reason, I held on to him, and it is now paying dividends in a way that I could have never expected because I think he is going to be a potential feature back, and I think he starts off next season as, especially if Chris Carson doesn't come back or is unable to recover from his neck injury, I do see Rashad Penny starting the year as a running back two and maybe working his way up to that uh, low end running back one by the end of the year, given how many injuries we had this year. And I would be counting on for us going forward uh, with the running back position. Devin Singletary, a guy who had been written off on this program, gosh, uh, 16, 32, 64 times over the last two years. And Ethan's never liked him. He's a guy I thought was slowly starting to come around. But there were a couple of true believers. And if you stuck by him, he's a guy that has actually contributed and been valuable to the Buffalo Bills down the stretch in what has been increasingly a more productive offense. Once they've fully accommodated the spread out, air the ball out, dump the ball off to a couple of running backs, but don't necessarily tighten up. You're not a power football team. Your offensive line is to built to be finesse. As they've done that, Devin Singletary has been their primary guy, and he's been the beneficiary of some good fantasy points. I do like him moving into next year as a potential flex play. He is a guy that I think you can maybe get for a song in most dynasty leagues if you're, uh, or uh, if the current owner is not paying attention enough to what he was doing down the stretch, because it's likely a Devin Singletary owner, unless you picked him up late, is not a guy that probably made the playoffs and was paying very close attention to what Devin Singletary has been doing. He's a guy that I think has maybe rounded a corner with what he's capable in in this offense and what this offense wants to do. Again, if the Bills struggle, again if the Bills struggle to start the season like they did this year, I don't know if that's going to be a combination of them trying to 
beat themselves over the head with a rock because they seem to think that they're a power run team to begin the season, or if they're going to continue to do this spread them out thing that's actually been working for them down the stretch. Maybe they'll change, maybe they won't. But for right now, if the Bills offense continues to look like this, Devin Singletary is a valuable fantasy asset, even if it's not necessarily in a premier starting position. He could be a valuable flex play and definitely good depth for you moving into next season. Finally, just some props to three wide receivers that have been absolutely outstanding all year. Devontae Adams, if you drafted him at number one, like I said, going into the season, you definitely got your money's worth. I have no idea what's going to happen with the Packers next year, where he's going to end up, if he's going to be with Aaron Rodgers or some other quarterback, but the man is absolutely outstanding. And if you watched that Vikings game the other night, I don't know how many times he reeled in passes from Aaron Rodgers that I just literally said to myself, that is unfair. There's just no way two humans should be able to do those things. And it looked like absolute symmetry and a a symphony on the field. But the other two that I'd really like to highlight, and it's guys that we've talked about a lot on the show, Debo Samuel and Cooper Cup, outstanding football seasons, never had really bad games uh, of the games that they were in. Debo Samuel has been an absolutely everything wide receiver for that team all season. He was a guy that I was not as high on going into this year, seemed more like a gadget player, had a really rough down last year. He has been an absolute stud. Cooper Cup, I don't know, you run out of superlatives for him. He has been by far the fantasy MVP for just about anybody who drafted him this season. And if you somehow didn't end up in your championship or didn't win, it certainly wasn't because of him. So, Honestly, he might be one of the all-time great wide receiver seasons of all time, if not the greatest, because I don't think a lot of people were playing fantasy football in 1987 or 1995 when Jerry Rice was putting up similar numbers. So the final week of the season, top 10s, or at least the fantasy season, we still have one regular season week of the NFL to go. Number one at quarterback was Joe Burrow, really no question there. Number two, Tom Brady in that great comeback they had against the Jets, throwing the ball to, gosh, guys I've never heard of, uh, and then maybe Brashad Perriman and, and Mike Evans, I only think caught three balls, but uh, he's thrown to Scotty Miller and Rob Gronkowski. He just seems to have the magic touch this year, other than the first couple of playoff games for fantasy. Russell Wilson somehow rounds back into form, but it takes a toll as it had to come against the Lions in the last week. And if you had been starting him up to this point, you probably weren't in a championship game where this would have been valuable to you. Kyler Murray at four, Dak Prescott five, Trey Lance, uh, number six, didn't have a great first half, was a guy I started in my own championship game, uh, did come through in the end and uh, was at least a valuable starter. Doesn't look like he's comfortable throwing the ball on rhythm and two guys, but hopefully a full off season uh, should provide him uh, some additional experience with his wide receivers to get the timing right and get some of the passing work down. You do uh, like and are encouraged by his big play passing ability and his ability to have designed runs that clearly are going places. I do think he can round into form. I don't know if he's going to be as electric as we thought he might be coming into the year, but I do like what I see. Uh, Mac Jones at number seven, Patrick Mahomes eight, Aaron Rodgers nine, and Justin Herbert 10. For the most part, these are all guys that will be appearing in next year's top 10 as we move into the preseason for Dynasty rankings. 
it's not a huge surprise that a lot of these guys are there. For running back, this is a weird list that I don't think anybody would have had to begin the season, and this is where the position of trying to draft running backs and you've got to have a lot of depth at this position for Dynasty right now with the amount of running back injuries we had this season. As I said before, Rashad Penny, number one. Najee Harris, number two, with an outstanding game on Monday night against the Cleveland Browns in a way I hadn't seen him play all season, basically. His biggest games usually came when he was catching the ball a ton out of the backfield, not when he was racking up huge numbers on the ground like he did on Monday night. Devin Singletary, number three. Ramondre Stevenson, number four. Daryl Williams, number five. Eli Mitchell, six. Boston Scott, seven. Deontay Foreman, coming back from that uh, Achilles injury, number eight. A.J. Dillon, nine. And Jonathan Taylor, ten. At wide receiver, of course, we had Jamar Chase leading all wide receivers. Number one, Amon Ross St. Brown, number two. Devontae Adams, three. D.K. Metcalf with a sighting again. He has not been productive for most of the year, especially in this second half. But three touchdowns in total on the uh, weekend. Braxton Berrios at number five. Zay Jones coming back to life with the Raiders now, number six. Debo Samuel, seven. Cooper Cup, eight. Christian Wilkerson catching two touchdown passes from Mac Jones completely out of nowhere this weekend, but they were playing the Jaguars, so take note of that. And Jacoby Myers, 10. Tight end, we had Noah Fant as number one. Rob Gronkowski, two. Mark Andrews, three, who will probably be the number one tight end going into fantasy next year and definitely for Dynasty Leagues, just given his age. Travis Kelsey, four. David Njoku, five. Dallas Goddard, a guy who's been moving up the list late in the end of the year, six. Tyler Higby, seven. Anthony Ferkser, eight. Dalton Schultz, number nine. And Jeff Swaim, ten. For the good, the bad, and the ugly this week, the good for me is the obvious. It's going to be the Bengals. Uh, having a home win to win your division, especially after two weeks ago looking dead in the water, or I think at worst being fourth in your own division, having two convincing wins, uh, one against the Ravens where you absolutely blew them out, and then your comeback victory against the Chiefs who had been one of the best, if not the best team in football for probably the last two months. That's as convincing a win as you're going to need. For my bad, it's the Ravens. You've now lost three games in the last, I think, four, all by one point apiece. And unfortunately, you went from being the team that had stared down adversity all season and somehow come out on top to now probably missing the playoffs entirely. Finally, the ugly. How can you go anywhere else but Antonio Brown? I mean, I don't want to discuss this as a mental health thing. I don't want to project onto what could be going on with him, but this has been an ugly situation for a while, and we thought it might be a slight redemption story that he'd come back around, won a ring with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers last year. Tom Brady was his personal advocate, and then to see it all just completely melt down yet again in the most Antonio Brown way possible. I don't want to speculate on what he might be dealing with. I think a lot of people have irresponsibly said things with mental health. I don't necessarily think the diagnosis is out of place, but I do think it's kind of improper to be talking about it publicly. But there's clearly something wrong with what's going on in his life, and he clearly needs some help. I uh, hope that whatever happens with him next, because I don't think it will be around football. I think this was his last hurrah. I certainly hope that 
he has whatever help, guidance, life that he needs to have going forward because some of the things surrounding him have been scary and his absolute fall from the, the peak of stardom to now is a bit concerning to me. All right, so I don't have anything else for you this week. I think I've been droning on long enough. This is 25 minutes of me already talking, and there really isn't anything to go on about. Rosters are pretty much locked at this point, so there are no pickups or drop candidates to have. Thank you to listening to us for another great season. Uh, We'll be back later this week to discuss the full end-of-the-year special recap before we get to this Week 18, and then we will uh, look forward to the playoffs next week. But for anyone who has bothered to listen to the show, anyone who has been a friend of ours, this has been kind of a trying year in a lot of different places. This is the first episode of 2022 for us, and this is the 99th episode of the program so far. So just a thank you to literally all the listeners, Dynasty players out there, regular fantasy players, uh, friends, family, (laughs) rivals, uh, etc. I just, I appreciate everything that has gone on with this show and everybody who's shown interest in it and all the people that I've met through this silly little game of ours called Dynasty Fantasy Football. And so just a heartfelt thank you from me to all of you. I appreciate you. We will see you soon. If you'd like to contact the show or have a question for us, please write us at dynastydownload 10 at gmail.com. Also, you can now follow us on Twitter at dydownload2020. Find every episode of the show at dynasty-download.captivate.fm. And as always, please follow, rate, and review the show so that more people can discover that Dynasty Fantasy is the best form there is. This podcast was mixed, produced, and edited by Thomas Duncan as a production of Ronnie Duncan Studios. Our music is thanks to Purple Planet Music. Our technical provider and distributor is Captivate FM. 